Everyone has questions. Why am I here? Where will I go when I die? Is there really truth? But not everyone has biblical answers. Welcome to The Pastor Study, a ministry of pastorstudy.org. Join us now as we study the Bible to draw closer to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Here is Pastor Tom Brock. Welcome to The Pastor Study. The topic for this half hour is, what does the Bible teach about the afterlife? There's a lot of confusion today about what happens after you die. Have you ever seen Sylvia the Psychic on TV? Well, she was promoting her book, Christmas in Heaven. And she says, my spirit guide told me that they celebrate Christmas in Heaven like we do down here on Earth. And the angels give Jesus presents in Heaven. So she says, we need to get back to the true meaning of Christmas. I mean, I heard this and I thought, you know, the devil's sneaky. He can take some truth and mix it with New Age lies to get you to believe the lie. <laughs> now, today we're going to ask, what does the Bible teach about the afterlife? And here are some of the questions we're going to tackle. Do you become a ghost when you die? Do you become an angel when you die? Do you go to heaven or hell right away? Or do you sleep until judgment day? Um, is it ever okay to want to die? Will we be married in heaven like the Mormons teach? And regarding heaven and hell, can I know now where I'm going to go or do I have to wait till I die to find out where I spend eternity? Well, all those questions the Apostle Paul addresses in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Would you take out your Bible, turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and let's talk about the afterlife today. Let's pray first. Father, we pray for everyone watching this program, those that do not know Christ, that they will come to trust in him for the forgiveness of their sins so they can spend eternity in the right place. Lord, for those of us who are Christians, uh, speak to us now about all these questions and teach us. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. Paul the Apostle writes to the ancient church in Corinth, which was in Greece back then, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 1. Now we know, now skip down to verse 6, we know, all right, here's the first lesson for today. You can know if you are saved. 1 John 5, 13, I write this to you who believe in the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life. Some people think, well, you've got to die and then you find out where you spend eternity. No, no, my life was changed when I was 19 years old and somebody explained 1 John 5.13 to me that you can know for sure where you spend all eternity. This week, I was eating pizza at a pizza place. There was a carpenter uh, remodeling the building. When he heard I was a pastor, he starts talking to me. He was raised Catholic, but it sounds like he's left it behind. And he said, you know, Catholics teach one thing, Lutherans teach, Buddhists, um, Jews, everybody teaches all these different things. Well, I guess we'll all find out when we die. And I said, no, 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 let me tell you what happened to me. When I came to understand that we're saved by Christ alone on the cross and not by our good works, because we're saved by grace and he who believes in the Lord Jesus will be saved, doesn't say might be. When I understood the promises of scripture to those who believe in Christ, it changed my life. And I said to him, even though I'm a sinner, I know for sure my sins are forgiven and I'm going to heaven because it all depends upon Christ. Well, we had quite the talk. 
But if you don't know where you're going to spend eternity, get out 1 John, not the Gospel of John, but back by Revelation, 1 John 5.13, read that and claim that. It changed my life. Verse 1. Now we know that if the earthly tent, that's our human body, we live in is destroyed, we have a building from God, an eternal house in heaven, not built by human hands. Here's the next lesson. A new body is coming. He's talking about our new resurrection body. This is good news for persecuted Christians. This is good news for you if you've got cancer or, or if uh, you know, you've got arthritis. We, we say it every day in the creed. I believe in the resurrection of the body. So follow this. We do not believe, Christians, that we will be disembodied spirits for eternity. We believe that one day we'll receive what's called our resurrection body, these perfect new bodies in which we will live for eternity. But when is it that we get that new body? On the last day. You know, I've been a pastor for over 30 years. Do you know the one question I get more than any other question? Where is grandma right now? Is grandma in heaven right now or is she sleeping till judgment day to be raised from the dead on the last day? And I, I respond, both are true. The Bible does teach when you die, your spirit goes right to heaven to be with Christ. Today you will be with me in paradise, Jesus said to the thief. But the Christians in heaven don't have their new resurrection body yet. I believe my grandma is conscious with Christ right now, but she too is waiting for the last day when Christ returns and the dead are raised imperishable and given their new bodies. So both are true. And one more thing on this. The Bible never says we will become angels. Jesus said, Mark 12, we will become like angels in heaven in that we won't be married, we'll be single. But he never says we'll become angels. Therefore, the Mormon religion is wrong when it teaches you'll be married for eternity to your spouse you had on earth. No, you won't. Read it for yourself, Mark 12, 25. Verse 2, 2 Corinthians 5, verse 2. Meanwhile, while we're waiting, we groan longing to be clothed with our heavenly dwelling, our new body. Here's the next lesson. Groaning is part of the Christian life. There is a TV preacher who's very popular right now. He has the biggest church in the country. They call him the smiling preacher because his sermons are always about, be happy, put that smile on your face. You're going to get that better job and God wants you to prosper. And it's all about me, 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 me. And, and you be happy because it's all, well, I know the Bible says the joy of the Lord is my strength. There's some truth in what he's preaching. But from this text we learn groaning is part of the Christian life. I remember visiting this 89-year-old woman named Ella, a missionary for many years. She was in the nursing home. I would walk into her, her room and she had, had such pain because of her ailment. And she, I wouldn't minister to her, she'd minister to me and she'd say, she'd quote Romans 8, I am convinced that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared to the glory that shall be ours in Christ Jesus. I, I can think of another dear woman who now is with the Lord, but she had such pain because of her lupus. She told me one day, she said, some days I'm in such pain I can't even pray. All I can do is say, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. 
My point is, groaning is part of the Christian life. Years ago, I went to, I think it was a three-day prayer and fasting conference. And in this big auditorium in St. Louis were all these Christians. And we, we drank water, but we tried not to eat for three days. We came together in the auditorium, and we prayed for America. What I remember about those three days was this event. They had famous preachers, but this is what I remember. A woman dressed in black with a black veil comes to the microphone. And she says, let's get on our knees and mourn for America. So we all got on our knees in this big auditorium. First, let's mourn for the millions, the 55 million. Uh, it wasn't that big back then. It is today. 55 million babies that have been killed in the United States. Let's mourn for the child abuse. Let's mourn for the violence, the drug addiction. Let's mourn for all the divorce. Let's, let's mourn for all the pornography. I mean, and I don't, have, I don't cry hardly ever. I was weeping. The people in this auditorium were weeping. It was a, I think it was a movement of the Holy Spirit. We groaned and we grieved over America. Listen, groaning is part of the Christian life. We need to groan over what's happening to our nation. Do that in prayer tonight. Talk to the Lord about it. Verse 3, because when we are clothed with our new body someday, we will not be found naked, we won't be a disembodied spirit, for while we are in this tent, this human body, we groan and are burdened, because we do not wish to be unclothed, but to be clothed with our heavenly dwelling, so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. Here's the lesson from that verse. The Christian's future is glorious. <laughs> Christian, no matter how much pain you're going through right now, one day it will all be worth it. I read this story. Perhaps the wealthiest man in the world back in the 1800s was Baron Rothschild. Story goes that he walked into the studio of Ari Schaefer in Paris, a famous artist, and the millionaire wanted his portrait painted as a beggar. So the millionaire put on rags and put a tin cup in his hand, and the painter's painting him. Well, one of Ari Schaefer's friends steps in the studio, sees this poor beggar, goes over and drops a coin in the cup. Years later, that person gets a letter from Baron Rothschild. Dear sir, on this date years ago, you gave a coin to Baron Rothschild. I took that coin and I invested it, and here is your blessing, 11 thousand francs. <laughs> Here's the point. Christian, if you, if you right now, no matter what sorrows you have to go through, if you will invest in Christ in this life, one day you've got a reward coming that we can't even imagine. Verse 5. Now it is God who has made us for this very purpose and has given us the Spirit as a deposit guaranteeing what is to come. Here's the next lesson. The Holy Spirit is our guarantee. Let's talk about the New Testament was written in Greek. The Greek word for guarantee in that verse means the portion of money paid on the receipt of goods as a guarantee that the rest of the sum will be paid. It's also the word that was used of engagement rings back then, uh, a guarantee that the marriage will indeed take place. So who is the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit is the third person of God who comes inside of our hearts when we trust in Christ, and he's the down payment that one day God's going to come back and, and bring me up. Verse 6, 
Therefore, we are always confident and know that as long as we are at home in the body that is on earth, we are away from the Lord. We live by faith, not by sight. We are confident, I say, and would prefer to be away from the body and at home with the Lord, that is, in heaven. Here's the next lesson. It's okay to want to go home. Paul says here, better to go home and be with the Lord. When I'm at somebody's deathbed and they say, oh, pastor, I'm in such pain, I just want to go to be with the Lord. I don't rebuke them. I don't say tut-tut. What I say is, look, I'm healthy. There are days I want to go home to be with the Lord. Nothing's wrong with wanting to go home to the Lord. It's a sin to kill yourself. It's a sin to hasten it because the Lord has you on earth for a purpose. But nothing's wrong with the desire to be with the Lord. Here's the story I tell at funerals. Supposedly, a couple hundred years ago, there were no sheep in Australia. So a large boatload of sheep leaves England for the long journey to Australia. And they put a bunch of dry hay on board to feed the sheep. Well, things are going well, but when the ship finally nears the coast of Australia, a fog settles in, and for two or three days, they can't, lo they can't uh, dock the boat. And so the, the ship of sheep is off the shore, and suddenly the sheep won't eat. But finally, the fog lifts, they land the sheep, they eat the green grass, and were saved. You know what had happened, though? While they were offshore, the sheep could smell the green grass of the hillside. It made them lose all appetite for the dry hay on board. <laughs> to me, that is a picture of the Christian life. We get kind of a whiff of heaven down here, and some days it just makes us kind of want to go home. Let's look at verse 9. <clears throat> so, we make it our goal to please him, whether we are at home in the body on earth or away from it in heaven. Here's the next lesson. The Christian's goal is to please God. Somebody asked me, you know, God blesses us all the time. Is it possible for us to bless God? Is that a possibility? And I quoted the Psalms. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Uh, bless the Lord. His praise will continually be in my mouth. Um, I will bless the Lord at all times. So here's, you know, the, the wonderful truth is, you and I can actually bless God. Now, we don't do that perfectly. We still sin. But don't let the fact that you sin rob you of the joy of knowing that in many ways, God is just blessed by you when you pray, when you seek him, when you worship him, when you serve him. Verse 10. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive what is due him for the things done in the body, whether good or bad. Here's the next lesson. This verse was written to Christians. Here's the next lesson. Christians will go through Judgment Day. Now, because of what I preached 10 minutes ago that you can know for sure if you're saved, some people think, well, because we're saved by Christ, we already know that. We don't have to go through Judgment Day. We already know the verdict. Au contraire. This verse is written to Christians. And, and the truth is, Christians will go through Judgment Day. But here's the difference. We don't go through Judgment Day to determine our destiny. We know that already. We go through Judgment Day to determine our rewards. Paul talks about this in 1 Corinthians 3. He says there are two men building their house for Judgment Day. Both of them have the, the 
foundation of Christ. But one man builds on his foundation with cruddy stuff, he makes a house. The other man makes his house of good stuff. The fire of judgment day comes and tests each house. The first man, everything gets burned up, but he has the foundation of Christ, so he's saved. But it's like everything gets burned up, he goes smoking into heaven, but he is saved. The second man, the judgment comes, and his house stands the fires, and it says he goes into heaven with reward. So Christians, I, I know, even though I'm a sinner, I know my sins are forgiven, I'm going to heaven because of Christ, I know that. But we'll all still have to go before God on Judgment Day. And I think all of our knees will knock a little bit because I think he'll talk to everybody about something. <laughs> Verse 11. Since then we know what it is to fear the Lord. Here's the next lesson. It is healthy to fear the Lord. Paul is saying, because of Judgment Day, fear the Lord. Watch one hour of American television and ask the question, do we fear God in America? Does anybody believe in Judgment Day anymore? Um, well, no, no, Pastor, my God is a loving God. My God is not a judgmental God. In fact, I don't believe in Judgment Day. I heard somebody say, I believe in non-Judgment Day. I, I was driving past a liberal United Church of Christ church, and they had the big marquee there with the pastor's name, and, and it said on the sign, judgment-free zone. <laughs> like, we're not going to judge you for anything. Well, <clears throat> judgment day is coming. Whether you want it there or not, it's coming. <clears throat> I heard an evangelist speak once. He said, I was coming over on the plane, and I was talking to the atheist next to me about Christ. And after a while, the atheist says to me, well, I'm glad that works for you, but I don't believe in God. I don't believe in heaven or hell. And the evangelist says to him, so? Well, you know, I'm glad it works for you. It just doesn't work for me. Uh, I don't believe in that stuff. And the evangelist says, so? And the atheist got a little, what do you mean, so? I just don't believe. And the, the evangelist said, just because you don't believe it's there, doesn't make it go away. And listen, I know America doesn't fear God much anymore. A lot of people don't, don't believe in Judgment Day. So, it's still coming. Last lesson is verse 11. Therefore, knowing the fear of the Lord, we persuade men. And here's the last lesson today. Persuade others. Because there's going to be a judgment day, because there's a heaven and hell, my job and your job as a Christian is to persuade people to flee to Christ that they may be saved. You know, let, let me close with this. Nine years ago this month, my mom died. My mom's funeral was one of the best days of my life. Let me tell you why. Mom was 83. We had my dad's side of the family, big Catholic family, nine brothers and sisters. I didn't think they'd come to the funeral because it was a bit of a drive. They all show up. My mom, for an 83-year-old woman, had a lot of people at her funeral. And I have wanted to share the gospel with my aunts and uncles most of my life. Well, the preacher does the preaching. I get up with the guitar, and I'm going to sing Old Rugged Cross at mom's funeral. But I preempt it by saying, you know, everybody, everybody thinks you get to heaven by being good. 
That doesn't work because we're sinners. But let me sing about the only way to be saved. It's by what Jesus did on the old rugged cross by paying for our sins. And, and, and so I sang the song, and at the end I held up a gospel track, and I said, you know, this little booklet changed my life when I was 19 years old. And if you don't know for sure where you're going to spend eternity, these booklets are at the door. Just pick one up as you leave and make sure you're trusting Christ and Christ alone for your salvation. Well, I brought 80 of those little booklets. They were all gone. And when, when I had to drive back to Minneapolis, I didn't drive to Minneapolis. Spiritually, I flew home because I was able to share the gospel with these people that I've been praying for most of my life. Listen, everybody. Our job as Christians, and therefore knowing the fear of the Lord, says the Apostle Paul, knowing there's a heaven and a hell and that we need Christ, therefore we persuade men. I want to encourage you to do something every morning this next seven days. Every morning, pray this prayer. Lord, use me to share you with one person today. Amen. Welcome to the portion of the pastor study where we now ask Pastor Brock to share with us his knowledge of scripture and his insights to answer questions we have regarding the Bible, our Lord, and our everyday walk with him. We invite you to send your questions to our website and we'll answer them on an upcoming program. That's where we get some of these questions. Mm -hmm. so Pastorstudy.org. Pastorstudy.org. Okay, you talked about knowing for sure that we're saved. But doesn't your sin ever make you doubt your salvation? Now, Jackie, all kinds of things can make me doubt my salvation. But bottom line, nevertheless, doubts and all, I still know I'm saved. Because of a verse that means a lot to me, 1 John 5.13. I write this to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life. And because my salvation depends on Jesus on the cross and not on me, hallelujah, then I can know. If my salvation depends on me, I don't know. But because it depends on grace, on Christ, I do know that by the grace of God I'm forgiven and I'm saved. So one, but I'll tell you, some good ways to fight your doubts. You, you uh, read the Bible. You claim 1 John 1, 9 if you sin. Uh, you take Holy Communion. Uh, you get into a good Christian church that teaches the Bible. Those are good ways to fight your doubts. Everybody sins, Tom, though. That's yeah. the whole thing. How do we stop doing that as Christians? I, I, think the, you know, I, I think one of the huge things that'll nail sin in your life is accountability. So, Jackie, let's say you've got a problem with gossip. For you to meet with a Christian woman once a week and you, can, you hold her accountable, she holds you accountable, you pray for each other, that really puts a dent in sin. It's called having a prayer partner. Yeah. Okay. Isn't it wrong to try to scare people to come to Christ by talking to them about hell? Well, you know, I, I have a dear relative who said to me recently, I don't think it's right to ever try to scare somebody into heaven by talking to them about hell. Why not? You know, if there is a hell and the people are going to go there for all eternity, isn't it loving? to talk to them about Jesus and the need of, of faith in him. I don't think it's an evil thing. I think it's a loving thing. Now, you can do it in a stupid, evil way. I'm not going to yell at people, you're going to hell. But if somebody doesn't believe in Christ, I, would, I don't think anything's wrong with saying, I want you to spend eternity in heaven, not hell. We all deserve hell, but it's only by Christ we'll be saved. So don't you want to put your faith and trust in him for the forgiveness of your sins? That's a loving thing to do. Yeah. Okay. 
you know, when we're talking about evangelizing or talking to people and that, what salvation pamphlets would you recommend? Mm -hmm. You talked about attract and... Yeah. I, you know, Jackie, I, I was just on a plane, and I just shared the gospel with a guy, and I forgot to put some... Uh, what I use are what's called the four spiritual laws. You can get them in most Christian bookstores, but just go to a Christian bookstore and say, do you have any salvation pamphlets? And they'll have about 30 different pamphlets. All of them normally are good at a Christian bookstore. Four spiritual laws is one that I use. Uh, another one is called do good people go to heaven, which they don't because we're all sinners. It's by Christ we're saved. So those are some good, but can I tell you what happened on the plane? Sure. <laughs> so I... I say my prayer before I get on the plane. This very wealthy man is sitting next to me. He's got homes in New Jersey, South America. All, you know, he, he's a rich guy. And um, we talked for a while, and then I just said to him, basically, what I, my point is, Jackie, it's good to have pamphlets, but sometimes you just got to do it verbally. So here's the way I do it. I say, you know, <coughs> I think even though I was raised in the church, I think I had the misunderstanding that the way you get to heaven is by being good. And then I discovered in college, nobody's good. We're all sinners. We deserve hell. But God came down from heaven, lived the perfect life I couldn't, then went to the cross to pay for my sins, rose from the dead. And when I discovered we're saved by Christ and not by me, it changed my life. And you know what this guy said? He was a Catholic. I don't know how much he really went to church, but he said, I always thought I was saved by being good enough. Thank you, he said. I didn't know that, he said. So sometimes if you don't have a tract, the way you share the gospel is just verbally, and what you got to get in there is Christ died for our sins, and he rose from the dead, and we're saved by him and not ourselves. That's, that's the nutshell that we, we share with people. Okay. Pastor Brock, what will our bodies be like, our new bodies? Mm -hmm. You know, the answer, when we rise from the dead, uh, the answer for that is almost the whole first Corinthians 15th chapter. Paul goes into what our new bodies will be like. They won't be like our old bodies, which will die and decay. They'll be perfect new, what he calls spiritual bodies. They'll be bodies, but they'll be spiritual bodies. They'll be perfect and imperishable. And I think we will know each other in heaven, because Paul, uh, Jesus said, you'll see Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. So Jackie, I've never seen Abraham and Isaac and neither of you, but somehow we'll know that was Abraham over there. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, so you do think we will recognize each other? I do. I do think we. Will. I don't think. You know how this works. Only the Lord knows. I don't think my grandma will be eighty-five for eternity, and I don't think a three-year-old baby will be three years old for eternity. But only the Lord knows how this works. But you won't have aches and pains. They'll be perfect new bodies. Won't people be looking for people they know then, instead of the reason for going yeah, to yeah. heaven? Yeah. And you know, Jackie, good good point. When I hear somebody say, oh, I want to die so bad so I can go see my husband. No, you want to see Jesus in heaven. <laughs> We're out of time. Thanks for being with us. We pray God would grant you his richest blessings this week. Thank you for watching the Pastor Study. You can watch more of our programs at pastorstudy.org. We are on the air preaching the gospel of Christ because of our generous support of you, our viewers. Would you consider supporting our ministry? You may do so at pastorstudy.org or write the Pastor Study, P.O. Box 41294, Minneapolis, Minnesota 55441. May the blessing of our one triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit be with you today and always.